I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Nil. Nothing personal. Word of the day is nil. As in nada, as in zero, also as in name, image, and likeness. Name, image, likeness, college sports, college athletes are starting to get paid eventually. All of this news that we read about our student athletes, employees of the school, our student athletes, should they be paid? They're bringing in so much revenue. It's actually a very big debate. People are very passionate about that. I don't know that I've ever come out and given my point of view. I think that college athletes should absolutely not be paid because their job is not to play football or basketball or baseball. Their job is to put themselves in a position to become professionals. Same reason I went to college was to put myself in position to become a professional, but that was to get into law school and then to go into business. Now, do colleges make money off their athletes? Of course they do. Uh, Colleges make money off anyone who pays tuition. That's how colleges and universities, that's how they operate. That's how they make it so all different services can be offered to students, whether it's libraries, whether it's laboratories, whether it's research, whether it's trying to find a vaccine for COVID or trying to find treatments for cancer, whether it's funding swimming or volleyball or diving. It's all a big business. Running a university is a big business. And you have to think about the people who are helping you run that business. And athletes do help. There's no question. But there is such an interesting tug of war going on between colleges and the NBA. So that's why the NBA started the G League, which is attracting high school players because these players can go get paid. And I've never been against that. If you can go make money out of high school, then you don't need college. I don't think that college is for everyone. I don't think having a college education is the end-all, be-all, depending on what you want to do. Sometimes it's better to go to a trade school. Sometimes you want to become an actor and you want to try it so you don't need to go to college. Sometimes you want to start a business. Sometimes you want to become a professional athlete. I think that education is the bedrock foundation and the, the ultimate safety net Because having a degree and having an education gives you an opportunity to learn how to read and how to really be really good at reading comprehension. It helps you learn how to write, how to think, how to make decisions. All of these things are absolutely true in my mind. But with the legislatures of different states coming up with different rules about college athletes being able to get paid for their name, image, and likeness, Reggie Bush stepped up yesterday. Reggie Bush, an out. I was going to say unbelievable and outstanding. An unstanding. Ever do that when you mix words? You're thinking of one word and you're thinking of another and you do an amalgam. Reggie Bush was an amazing college player. You know, he won a Super Bowl as a professional. Nothing outstanding. He uh, was in the news yesterday and there's two interesting points about what happened. He gave an interview in Playboy. Remember when Playboy took all like the nude pictures away and they went to just interviews? And then that changed. But he gave an interview in Playboy. 
And he, he had a quote which said, they're about to start paying college athletes, Reggie Bush said. This is something that has never been experienced before. And it's going to destroy some people if their foundation is not in the right place. Well, a news site, not CBS, someone else, I can't remember who, I think it may have been ESPN, did an article saying, Reggie Bush says, pain athletes will destroy some people. That was basically the article. And Reggie Bush sent a tweet saying, you have used a quote of mine out of context. I did not give you permission to use that quote. And he basically lost his mind. My message to Reggie Bush is twofold. Number one, the people who write the headlines are different than the people who write the articles. And I've argued to editors, to publishers, to reporters. I've argued about headlines for 18 years because headlines drive me crazy. They're both clickbait and often they do not take into account nuances in the article. They're half truths, if not quarter truths, and there is zero accountability. So when you call up a reporter and you say, hey, what kind of headline is that? I didn't say that at all. And he says, or she says invariably, don't blame me. By the way, is there anything more perfect when you cannot blame yourself and you can blame someone else in your company and use that as a shield or even a sword in some cases? So headline writers are headline writers, and don't get me wrong, I, I think everyone who has, has a job to do, but I also know headline writers do not read every article front to back. It's actually known that when people read articles, they read the first few paragraphs, and very often they then peruse, that's not the word, coca, here it goes, I've got the Wednesday brains right now, when they, uh, they, they peruse the prose, they sort of skim it, and then they go to the end. So often, if you're writing an article, you want to make sure that you're very poignant in the beginning, very poignant in the end, and in the middle, you can just sort of say some stuff. So ESPN writes the headline, and Reggie Bush gets upset, but here's what he was trying to say. Forget the fact that he doesn't understand the whole headline issue. What he was trying to say is that if we start paying college athletes, let's talk about the flow of money. One of my favorite subjects is thinking about and following the trail of the cash. So let's pretend you've got an agent. You have a booster. We're going to write a play right now. And here are the characters. The agent, the booster. A booster is someone who gives money to a program in order to gain access, to get on the sidelines, to get to meet the players, to basically believe that he or she is an important person because they've given money in order to get access. So you got the booster, you got the agent. Then you've got the athletic director, the person in charge, basically the CEO of the entire athletic department of a university. Then you've got the president of the university who is in charge not just of athletics, but actually in charge of the entire thing. The chairman, we will call the president. So name, image, and likeness, you have an opportunity you, to get a five-star high school player. The rules are that you cannot offer that player money at all, as a university. But that player can do a deal with a company where your university is located. So if there's a local pizzeria joint, that pizzeria joint can call the player, call the agent, and say, okay, we will give $110,000, we need five commercials, and we'll have free pizzas given to him and his family and his fraternity and his freshman dorm every day for the entire freshman year. Then you've got the secret companies, the uniform companies, everyone's getting in on it. So there's money flowing to generally a 17-year-old because this doesn't start when the kid's 18. These conversations start happening when kids are sophomores in high school. They're babies. 
They're two years past their bar mitzvahs. That's how young they are. And so they are forced to then become, when you force kids to become adults, you are asking for problems. And the problems are that adults come in and try to be adults for the kids. And then that leads to fraud. The fraud is because sometimes you've got parents who don't have their their priorities in the right place and criticize me all you want. How many child actors have gone bankrupt because their parents stole their money? How many? I think Gary Coleman's the only, only one from different strokes. I'm aging myself, but there are a ton of them. They take over for their kids and take their money. So now we're putting money in the hands of young people. There's no real check and balance. And the purpose of the college is to make sure that they get the sophomore and junior to believe that they're going to get the most money when they get to that school. Reggie Bush has a point. He really does. There are going to be people who get destroyed if their foundation is not in the right place. And that's all he was trying to say. And instead, it's he comes out as though he's against NIL, against name image likeness, and against anybody getting paid. He may or may not be, but his point is absolutely well taken. The word of the day, and it can be used for many, many purposes, but for today, it's nil. Michelle Roberts is super busy today. Michelle Roberts is the NBA Players uh, Association head. When these people take these jobs, whether it's Michelle Roberts in the NBA or Tony Clark in Major League Baseball, you have Donald Fear in the NHL National Hockey League. You may know his name back from the days when he was running baseball, the baseball union or the director of the baseball union. You just don't plan for a pandemic. You don't plan. You plan for bargaining agreements and for negotiations. You plan for the every year fights that happen the way spring follows summer or summer follows spring. I was trying to be so cool, right? And I couldn't think of the seasons because in Florida, there's two seasons. It's just hot and then it's hotter. But you get used to a calendar. Well, Michelle Roberts and everybody else who works for unions and, frankly, who work in the commissioner's office, they are all working triple time as they try to figure out how to recover from the pandemic, how long that recovery will be, what that recovery will look like, what is going to happen to their sports, and how do they get fans and partners and people engaged for the sole purpose of getting the money flowing again. Well, Michelle Roberts has had conference calls and plans to have conference calls with all 30 NBA teams. Well, I find that to be sort of difficult to imagine because let's pretend that you do a one-hour call with each team and the reps and the players from that team. That means that's 30 hours of meetings. Let's say you're working really hard and do 15-hour days. That's two days. Do you really think she can get to all 30 teams in two days by coordinating the Zoom schedules of the players on those teams? I'm going to say it's going to take a little longer than a few days, but her heart is in the right place. She's calling all these NBA players because she wants to get information from them. She wants to tell them what the NBA is proposing in terms of the possible bubble at Disney World or in Vegas, what quarantining would look like, what the playoff situation would look like, what seating would look like, what the health protocols would look like, on and on and on. And she's got to get feedback. Why? Because none of this matters if the players don't vote to accept the terms, both economically and from a rule standpoint. So Michelle Roberts is going along and having these calls, and here's the exact thing she doesn't want to hear, ever. But Damian Lillard of the Portland Trailblazers said the following today. 
If we come back and they're just like, quote, we're adding a few games to finish the regular season and they're throwing us out there for meaningless games and we don't have a true opportunity to get into the playoffs, I'm going to be with my team because I'm part of the team, but I'm not going to be participating. I'm telling you that right now and you can put that bleep in there. That is Damian Lillard giving a quote. Wow. Let's dig into that. He said that he's going to be with his team because, of course, that's how you get paid. I'm a part of this team, but I'm not going to be participating. Damian Lillard, if I'm the owner of the Portland Trailblazers, guess what I'm doing to you? I'm suspending you. I'm restricting you. If you have now given me cause to tell me that you are not going to play and you're not injured and you've been cleared to play, you will not get paid. Now, you may be asking, but wait a minute. Portland may not have a chance to make the playoffs. Now, you're right. They have Carmelo Anthony, so they're not going to make the playoffs. Sorry, Coca, whose idol is Carmelo Anthony, the greatest player of all time. How many rings does Carmelo have? That's right, negative rings. He'll never win a ring. You know that. That may have even been a wait to see. Anyway, the Trailblazers are currently only three and a half games back of the Memphis Grizzlies for the eighth and final playoff spot. And if this were a regular season, the Trailblazers are right now 29 and 37. They have, they've played 66 games. They have 16 games and they're only three and a half games back. The owner of the Portland Trailblazers has to be saying to himself, listen, we have a chance to make the playoffs. And if we can make the playoffs, that is additional revenue, whether it's even in arena signage or whether it's our, from a broadcasting standpoint, whether it's from a merchandise standpoint, whatever the case may be, if we have a chance to make the playoffs, we've got to play. If you look at the standings, the NBA has a small problem because there are a bunch of teams that are really close to a playoff spot. In the Western Conference alone, you've got the Trailblazers, the Pelicans, the Sacramento Kings, and the San Antonio Spurs are all within four games of the Memphis Grizzlies. I have a way to see that says the regular season is finished in the NBA, and I'm sticking to that, and I believe that it's correct. However, there will have to be some sort of play-in And what a play-in will be is the teams who I think are within, not just mathematical, because mathematically there's been nobody eliminated. You can say that everybody's in it. You could even say that the Cavaliers are possibly a playoff team because in the East, they're only 11 games back of the Magic, but they're out of it for all intents and purposes. I don't think we should start a season again, a regular season, play the balance of the regular season because the teams at the bottom, really, it's not worth risking their health at all. But if you're within shouting distance in the Eastern Conference, it's just the Wizards, maybe the Hornets and Bulls. Now, people from New York are going to be upset. But hey, you guys are basically nine and a half games back. You're out. The Knicks are out. So Damian Lillard says, well, I'm three and a half back, but I'm not playing. Why is he saying that? Is he saying that because he's pressuring the NBA to go back and play the full regular season? No, because that's not what Michelle Roberts is telling him. There is no scenario, and you're hearing it right now, and I will, I'm not going to say I'll eat my iPad because that would not be realistic. People always say I'll eat my shirt, and then they try to get followers. And by the way, I'm fine if you want to follow me at David P. Sampson. I'm fine if you want to tell your friends about nothing personal. I'm good with all that. But I'm not going to tell you I'm going to do something that, frankly, I don't want to do. It's just my opinion 
that there's not going to be an NBA regular season anymore. They're not going to play the balance, but there has to be some sort of play in situation. So I think Damian Lillard has a chance, has a chance to go back on his words. He can walk it back. The way he would walk it back is that he said, we don't have a true opportunity to get into the playoffs. So I think that the Trailblazers will be given a true opportunity. I think Michelle Roberts has an opportunity to go to the owners and say, listen, this is where my union members are. The ones who are out of it, like the Steph Curry's of the world, the Golden State Warriors of the world. Excuse me. I got to stop that, Coca. When are you going to yell in my ear to stop saying excuse me after a cough? Because the people on YouTube, it just looks like I'm turning away. The people who are listening on Apple or Stitcher or Spotify or wherever you find your podcast, thank you. By the way, go into Apple if you can. It's on your phone, maybe. Do a five-star review or get into the end of the month. Ask a question within the Apple review, and I'll do it at the end of the month. But there's no doubt that the Steph Curry's of the world, Golden State, they have no chance to make the playoffs, and they don't want to play. But Michelle Roberts has an opportunity with the Players Union in the NBA to make it clear to Adam Silver and the commissioner, we've got a plan that we think works. We will do a playoff tournament in one location, whether it's Disney World or Vegas, but part of that tournament has got to be the opportunity for these teams who had better than a mathematical chance, but an actual realistic chance. Now, there's all sorts of analytics. We could go and see that the Portland Trailblazers' percentage likelihood of making the playoffs is only 7% or 17%, but when you run a team and you're the owner of a team, you don't even look at that stuff. You know, in the uh, standings, in the expanded standings, there would be your team and then playoff probability, World Series probability. We did 10,000 simulated seasons and your team made the playoffs twice. If we actually listen to those, why would we even bother playing? But we always bother to play because we want to play because there's always a chance the simulations are wrong. The Trailblazers will come back. Damian Lillard will play because if he doesn't, he's going to lose some serious cash. Well, he's not the only one who thinks that uh, there's a situation where playing happens. All the sports now are saying the same thing. It's actually exciting. I think sports is coming back. It's just a matter of when and it's a matter of how. I don't think it's as soon as people say. Steve Ross was very clear today. He gave an interview. Steve Ross is the chairman of something called the Related Company. That is a real estate company. Uh, They both are landlords. They are developers. They make money by people paying them money. Hold on. Let me think about that fact. Who doesn't make money by people paying them money? Yeah. No, I think that's everybody. So that really wasn't clear about what Steve Ross does. Steve Ross, the owner of the Dolphins, makes money by developing real estate and then having people pay him more than the cost of borrowing the money to build the actual real estate. So that's called arbitrage. He came out and said in an unrelated article or an unrelated interview, what what I like about those interviews is that someone like Steve Ross goes on a network, and they bring him on as the chairman of Related. But of course, they're going to ask him about what everyone cares about. No one really cares about Hudson Yards in New York right now, although the people who work there in the businesses and in the retail do. People care about the Dolphins. Steve Ross said the Dolphins are definitely having an NFL season. I like it. I like that the NFL from the beginning has been strong, and I came out against it. I said I didn't think the draft should happen, and then I enjoyed it. I have a way to see that the training camps will be delayed. 
there will not be full contact practicing in July. I don't think the regular season starts on time in September. I do think there's an opportunity to have NFL games. Steve Ross thinks there's going to be games and he thinks there's going to be fans. Now, Steve Ross and the NFL owners and all owners have very significant interest in fans being allowed into their ballparks and into their stadiums because they get significant revenue from that. We saw that Tom Garfinkel, the president of the Dolphins, the former MLB executive who then went to football and became the president for Stephen Ross and the Dolphins, actually uh, negotiated a bit with Tom Garfinkel when there was a thought that they were looking at buying the Marlins. But once they heard what the price was going to have to be, they were a pass. Don't blame them, but didn't need them. At the end of the day, Tom Garfinkel is a good executive. He was on a show giving the exclusive plans that the Dolphins were doing to have social distancing, the way they were going to enter and exit Hard Rock Stadium, all of the ways that Dolphins tried to differentiate themselves. They're one of the first teams who have been certified by a company that they have the gold standard in cleaning and sanitizing. So let me just give you a little bit of insight. We wanted to be the first ever lead facility with a retractable roof at Marlins Park that was gold certified, and we got that gold certification. Here's what it actually means. I don't want to blow the lid off these companies who make money by giving these certifications, but it's a racket. And the racket is that in order to become a gold facility, a lead certified gold facility, you basically get a 30-page checklist, and you have to do everything on the checklist, how you deal with garbage, how you deal with recyclables, how you deal with cleaning, how you build certain things to restore energy, how many trees you buy in the forest to replace your carbon footprint, yada, yada, yada. I wanted to do it because it's great PR. You get to do a press release saying we are the first ever retractable roof lead facility. We get to say that we're interested in the environment. We really care. There's not one owner who actually cares. And I don't mean this to sound as though I'm anti-environment because I'm not. I don't mean it to sound that I'm pro or anti-climate change. Obviously, there is climate change. There's no obvious. It's so obvious that with this quarantine, there's been a complete change in the atmosphere. There's been a complete change in the ozone layer. You don't have to be a pro or anti-science guy. You don't have to be on the right or on the left. It doesn't matter. You just have to have eyes and a brain and you can see it. It's not manufactured data. It's just what you see. So you go through all these things. You want to say you're part of the environment. Now with COVID, there's a whole new group of businesses who are sprouting. Mark my words, it's a huge sector. Here's the business. All you have to do is hire me. And here's what my company does. We are the best gosh darn cleaners in the world. And we're going to certify you that you are a COVID ready facility. We are going to make it so that your fans are so clean. They're going to be whistling Dixie out of their tuchus. That's how clean it's going to be. You could eat off the floor in the bathroom on the upper deck. By the way, that's a joke for those of you who know anything about Marlins Park. You can always eat off the floor of the bathroom in the upper deck because the upper deck is always closed. But my point stays the same. You can eat off the floor of the concourse. We are going to clean every seat. Do you know that when you get a, um, what's the word, Coca, protocol for cleaning the way that actually works? So what you do is you have to hire companies and you have to pay them a lot because they're going to charge you a premium because they have to use these special cleaners and cleansers. There's a great song by Carol Channing in Free to Be You and Me. It's called Housework. 
Free to Be You and Me is one of the great albums of my childhood. It's still a great album. I'm not going to review it. I'm just going to tell you you should listen to it. It is incredibly prescient about modern day, the world today. All the lessons, and I've talked about it nothing personally. You've heard me talk about Rosie Greer and It's All Right to Cry. Rosie Greer, this huge hulk of a man crying, was one of the things in my life as a child that actually gave me the strength to be emotional and sensitive and cry because Rosie Greer could cry. Of course I could cry. So Carol Channing, who's an, uh, an actress, was a great actress in her time, and she sang a song called Housework and how no one actually has fun doing housework because on TV, when you see people having fun doing housework, they're only having fun because they're getting paid to do that housework because they're actors and actresses getting paid money to use those cleaners and cleansers. Well, that's how it works in a stadium. You hire a company, they charge you a premium because they're using high-end cleaners and cleansers, except who do you think they're hiring to clean the stadium? The way we hire concessionaires and cleaners is we have companies and those companies go into the talent and the unemployment pool and they go and get workers. And I am not saying that these workers don't care about their job. Don't at me. What I'm saying is, Every seat is only cleaned to the point that the person cleaning it cares as much about cleaning it as you do about it having been cleaned. The supervisor of the people overlooking your concession stand, your food is only and clean as properly prepared as the supervisor is caring about that food being properly cleaned, secured, and cooked. You want warm, hot chicken tenders. You got to make sure that you've got the people doing the chicken tenders, the people supervising the chicken tenders, and the people supervising the people supervising the chicken tenders. Believe me, there's a lot of opportunity for cold chicken tenders. Just as much as there's a lot of opportunity to sit in a dirty seat. But these companies are coming out of the woodwork, and the Dolphins are at the forefront. They've been certified. Stephen Ross is going to get football back. Will it be the cleanest stadium in the land? That's a really good wait to see. So we've got an NBA done. We've got an NFL done. Now we get to hockey. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman today. today but well, I don't know why I say today. I'm nothing personal. Because you may be listening to this tomorrow. It may have already happened. There may be no reason for me to tell you about this except to say that if you're listening to this show, and you don't know what the NHL announced at 4.30 p.m. regarding their return to play plan for the 2019-2020 NHL season, then what can I tell you? The news is out. If it's cool and interesting and I like what he says or I don't like what he says, but there's something we can talk about, we'll do it tomorrow. I don't think it's bonus pod worthy. I can't imagine his return to play plan is anything before June 23rd because I have a feeling the Canadian border is going to need to be open even though they said essential personnel could maybe go back and forth and the U.S. Department of Homeland Security had this huge announcement that Luka, is it Luka Doncic, Coca? That Luka Doncic can return to the U.S. and play for the Dallas Mavericks. So the borders are closed, but we're letting in essential athletes so they can come and play for their leagues. Phew. Thank heavens for that. So stay tuned. So now we've talked about NBA, NFL, NHL. What about MLB? MLB today is going to be submitting an economic proposal to the union. They're going to get away from the revenue split. I promise you that. We're going to go through it as soon as it comes out, likely in tomorrow's show. There's going to be some sort. It'll be leaked. I guarantee you. We've talked about the leaks. Remember that whole Don Garber segment from yesterday? Wait, did we do that on the show, Coca? 
Coca, did we talk about the uh, Don Garber uh, MLS? Yes, we did. Okay. So yesterday there was a memo leaked to the athletic and then the actual memo saying don't leak to the athletic was leaked to the athletic. So it's so perfect. So MLB's proposal will get leaked and we'll get to talk about it. So there is activity, but I want to manage everyone's expectations. There is no reason to believe that in the next two weeks you are going to be seeing any sort of professional sport, but it's coming. Hang in there. Keep being smart. Believe me, I want to shave the beard, although the compliments are good. Day 72 to the ML Beard Challenge. What we're doing in the ML Beard Challenge is we're growing a beard and we're not shaving it to MLB opening day. I wouldn't mind if it were July 4th. Maybe we'll have a charitable component for it. Coca and I will shave our beards. The great producer, Matthew Coca. There is no nothing personal without Matthew Coca. But his beard is absolute ass. It's so bad. He wants, he told me that he'd be willing to step in as the arbitrator between the union and the owners in baseball. Like Hawkeye did in MASH trying to get the peace talks between the North and South Koreans to get this war over because he wants to shave. His whole vibe is gone. I don't mind my beard day 72. We're going to send out a picture in a couple days with some updates in case you're not watching. But if you follow me on Twitter, you may see some photos or Instagram. So we're giving $1,000 a day for 100 days, if you can believe it. Today is already day 72. We've given to 71 organizations. I think we've given to the same organization once or twice, so maybe it's 69 different organizations. And what we're doing is we're choosing around the country. And if you give me suggestions, I'm going to take some of them. Someone actually called me and said that they wanted to me to donate $1,000 to Fisher House in South Florida. I know Fisher House, and I am a yes. Fisher House is a place where people can stay when veterans are being treated in the VA. It is a, uh, it's perfect. It's sort of like Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital, which, by the way, we're going to do another day, Joe DiMaggio's Children's Hospital and the Conine Clubhouse, something that Jeff Conine started where people can go when their child is getting treatment for being sick. They can go stay in the Conine Clubhouse, and it's free. Fisher House is the same concept. The Marlins, the old Marlins, I have no idea what the new Marlins do, but the old Marlins always gave money and time to Fisher House. So day 72, you've got $1,000 going to Fisher House, and I know that with COVID-19, you are having issues, and you've got more people there than ever, more families there than ever, and you're going to have to get certified to clean it better than you ever have. So $1,000 to Fisher House. ML Beer Challenge, Whatever you can afford, thank you for giving. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. 
Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So you want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson is a segment that we do here on Nothing Personal. It's from Half-Baked. Everyone in Half-Baked, the movie, if you haven't seen it, go see it. And if you're fully baked when you see it, it's probably twice as good as if you're half-baked. I once actually had a conversation that if is a half a edible, does that mean you're half-baked? Or are you just fully baked for half the time? I really don't know. These are interesting questions. One day we'll do a study. So people go into Twitter at David P. Sampson, and they go into the DMs and they ask. The question of the day, it's a great MLB question. How much is the MLB 2020 impasse in labor negotiations being affected by the need for a new basic labor agreement in 2021? That was literally the question asked. How much is the impasse impacted by the need for a new labor agreement in 2021? I would like to say the following to that, and I'm going to answer it for you. It's zero. Nobody's thinking about the Major League Baseball collective bargaining agreement, which expires at the end of the 2021 season. While definitely we were all preparing for that, even as far back as 2017, my last year in the game, it was clear that we were going to get to a point where the players were so upset with the current agreement, which is the one we're in now, more upset than they are now with having to take a pay cut. But they were upset enough that there was going to be a problem with the new collective bargaining agreement in 21, where the owners, 23 out of 30, would say, we'll just roll over the current one, no problem. But the players were not going to have that. So we knew that there was going to be some sort of agita in that negotiation. We had no idea global pandemic was coming. We had no idea that there were going to be billions of dollars of losses. No idea that the sport would shut down. You don't even plan for this. You can't even consider this happening. Who would think about it? You go to the movies, you watch Contagion. By the way, did you read, Coca, that Michael Bay is starting production on a new movie next month? And it's about coronavirus. And it's two years in the future, I think, about what happens if corona has like a new strain and it's still here two years from now. Is that like too soon? I'm thinking to myself, I I don't know. When we're still in the middle of the current pandemic, I don't know that I want to see a movie. It's like if there were a Gulf War movie while the Gulf War was going on, like Zero Dark Thirty or some of those, uh, would you want to see a movie about the killing of Bin Laden when Bin Laden wasn't dead yet? I mean, you'd rather see it the real thing, wouldn't you? So the movie's way better once he's dead. So maybe this pandemic will end, it better end, but there's a new Michael Bay movie coming out. Ironically, they have to film it like with social distancing and they have to balance the crew and stagger the crew and they've got to hire the company who's going to clean the set. They're going to get certified, I'm sure. <laughs> Everybody is. If you want to invest in a company and you didn't get into Zoom on time, find the companies who have the cleaning products, the special COVID cleaning products. So the impasse in labor negotiations right now in 2020 that that MLB is now submitting an economic proposal for to try to cure really has nothing to do with 21. As a matter of fact, even a little rule that will get no argument now will still have to be renegotiated and be argued over come the negotiations for 2021. There's still going to be a problem, let's say, with the universal DH. That's a real issue that MLB, the owners, are not just going to give in the way they are now. They're giving it in because the whole schedule is different in this truncated system. But it's an economic value to the players to get that. 
So all of the things that are being negotiated, and that is what is so important for Tony Clark of the Players Union and Rob Manford and the other owners to understand that when you give an inch today, you can take it back. And there have been a lot of people writing saying one of the issues the owners have and the players have is they don't want to look weak. They don't want to give in to any little point, however minute, because they think they will be prejudiced when it comes to the 2021 negotiation. There's something in law, there's a concept, and without getting too deep into it, here's what I would like to see happen in the current labor negotiations for the 2020 season. I would like it to be written and I would negotiate this point. Any agreement made right now for the 2020 season, any negotiating that led to an agreement for the 2020 season, any economic or health or any rule change, anything at all in the four corners of this document used to return to play in 2020, none of it can or will be used during the 2021 labor negotiation. Because I think that gives cover. I think that allows the players to compromise, which they're going to have to do. It allows the owners to compromise, which they don't have to do, but they're going to end up doing. So your question of, so you want to talk to Samson, is does it impact? No, it does not. But I do appreciate your question. Come at me at David P. Samson. Get into the DMs as much as you want. I'll get to as many as I can. I'll tell you what I'm not going to watch again because I watched it one time. I thought that we'd be talking about the hippest thing right now. There was a movie that came out on Netflix yesterday called The Lovebirds with Kumal Nanji and Ani Kus. <laughs> Hold on. It's Kumal Nanji, Nanji Ani. What? Coca. So I can't pronounce names. You know this. Coca put it in this document. Kumal Nanjiani and Issa Ray looks like Man Ray to me. Man Ray, the artist. Anyway, these are actors. Very funny. Kumal was in The Big Sick, which I loved. He is talented, a hilarious comedian. Issa Ray is in that show on HBO. It's called Insecure. They did a movie that dropped straight to Netflix called The Lovebirds. It's 87 minutes. I have inherent prejudice against 87-minute movies. And the reason I do, if it's a documentary, I'm all in. But if it's a regular, scripted, fictional movie, the reason why it's 87 minutes is they couldn't come up with 96 minutes of good material. It means the idea wasn't even worthy of an hour and 36 minutes. The Lovebirds is a movie. It's date night. That movie with Tina Fey and Steve Carroll, Carell, the guy from The Office and 40-Year-Old Virgin, great actor, Evan Almighty, Bruce Almighty, seeking a friend for the end of the world. You've seen him. It's two people who have a relationship. It starts off like the breakup with Jennifer Aniston and Vince Vaughn, where it shows them meeting, it shows them getting together, and then it cuts to four years later and they're fighting. So that's very uplifting, right? You go through the initial, oh my God, I'm so in love. This is great. I want to kiss you. I'm awkward. Should I kiss you? Do I lean to the left cheek? Do I lean to the right cheek? Do I try the lips? Should I not do the lips? How's it going to work? Then four years later, you're fighting because you're not getting dressed fast enough to go to some dinner party that no one wants to go to. 
Although I wonder after COVID if everyone's going to want to go to dinner parties and want to go out because they're so badly needing physical connection. Or maybe I'm the only one who stayed quarantined and most people are like in the Ozarks, going crazy. By the way, telling the people who went to that party in the Ozarks, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Google a picture at Lake Ozarks where they had a party and then the governor or the mayor or the somebody said, I want everyone at that party to now quarantine. Do you actually think there's a chance that those people are going to quarantine? Anyway, they won't. So the Lovebirds is this movie. They end up, what do you do when you're going to break up? You end up getting into a situation where you're accused of murder. You may be accused of murder. You witness a murder. You've got to flee like you're in date night. You get into the craziest conversations. All of a sudden, a guy who's like me. Now, I'm not funny. I mean, I, I, whatever I am, I'm not a comedian. I'm just a guy and nothing personal. But if I've never been punched. I've never thrown a punch. I've never gotten a punch. All of a sudden, all of a sudden, Kumal, who I forgot the name of his character, all of a sudden, he like beats up guys who have guns and finds a way to escape from being his hands are tied behind his back. And they're in all these crazy situations. He gets hit in the head. He gets a horse. This movie's so stupid. A horse does a kick with the hind legs where the horse kicks behind him, like when a horse bucks or something. He gets kicked in the chest. And by the way, he's fine. I'd be in the hospital and ICU for three weeks. So the movie goes on, and what do you think happens at the end? Yeah, here's a shock. Oh, my God, we're back in love because all the problems we had went away because all the little annoying things about you during the four years of our relationship, I forgot about all of them because we worked so well together in order to solve this murder mystery and end up not going to jail because at the end of the day, we didn't do it. Everyone knows we didn't do it, and they weren't even after us even though they thought we were after us. I have just now saved you from watching The Lovebirds. That's a hard pass. Wait to see. Wait to see is something that we try to do every day. There's some days we skip it. There's some days we don't. We've got a bunch bunch of wait to sees. Here's how it works. Wait to see is something where we are going to tell you things that we think are going to happen or not going to happen, and we are fully accountable. I say this a lot. If you listen to every episode, and today is episode 144, not counting any bonus episodes, I appreciate the loyalty. I really do tell your friends about it. But when it comes to wait to sees, I promise you with nothing personal, you know how straightforward I am. I tell you stories that are real. They're honest. I tell you stories that are behind the curtain. I explain to you what's happening behind the curtain. And the other thing I do is when I say things that are wrong, I'm going to tell you I'm wrong. If I need to make a correction, I make a correction. If you get into my Twitter and tell me a correction or Instagram, same David P. Sampson, I correct it. So I had a few ways to seize. Number one, a while ago, I said when the MLB, when the MLB, come on, David, when MLB first gave the timeline, uh, first gave the health protocol document, everyone was, all the media was saying there's going to be a timeline to start baseball as soon as possible. And I said, wait to see. No timeline will be given for a return to play. And it's true. No timeline was that wait to see. That's a yes. I also said that when MLB submits the health protocols, there's going to be a response and it's going to involve that the players want to shower in the clubhouse. They're going to want some changes to how they're supposed to act on the road because they're not going to sit in their room the whole time. I promise you that. Well, guess what? MLB responded and they want to shower in the clubhouse and they want some freedom on the road. There was also a way to see. Remember James Pacton, the New York Yankee? Well, I'm collecting that way to see. I said James Paxton will not return to the mound before June 1st. James Paxton is the New York Yankee pitcher. He got hurt. 
He was going to be out till after June 1st, in my opinion. His agent stood up and said, no problem. He'll be back in May. This guy's a quick healer. And I said, nope, it'll be after June 1st. I'm taking a yes, even though there's no baseball, and I probably should take a not applicable. But the fact of the matter is he would not have been on the mound before June 1st. I'll take a yes or maybe an N.A. Well, my wait to see today is simple. Governors are coming out left and right today. It's Jersey. Yesterday was New York saying, come back to practice. You can return to facilities as long as there are proper health protocols. My wait to see is by June 15th, every single city that has a sports team will follow suit. It won't just be New York, New Jersey, Florida, Arizona. Every single state and city where there is a professional sports team will be allowed to return to a practice facility in some sort as a way to start getting back to the business of sports. Because as you know, when you're a governor, a mayor, a senator, an owner, or a player, it's just business. It's nothing personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, the trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.